Welcome back to the Hour View Podcast. On today's episode, I welcome my guest, David Jeffers. David is a husband and father of two. Join our conversation as we discuss his spinal cord injury and how that has impacted his life, and also how we feel others view us as being Black disabled men. So thank you for joining me on this episode. And um, I just want to start off by asking you to introduce yourself just because, you know, I may know some things about you, but there may be some other things that you'd like to share um, about who you are. And, um, you know, so uh, just I would like for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, my name is David Jeffers, 42 years old. Uh, I'm married for 13 years. I uh, have two boys, which they're 11 and they're eight. Um, and that's it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a father and a husband. That's my main thing, first and foremost. Awesome. Yeah, that's, um, and see, that's what I, I like. Uh, that's why I like my guests to introduce themselves because, you know, I may say some things that, uh, you know, maybe important, but to you, you know, like you said, you're a husband and a father. So that's uh, really, really cool, really important. Um, mm-hmm. So, so how, um, can you tell the story of how you acquired your injury and what, um, and then the follow-up question to that is um, what, what impact did the injury have uh, on your body? Okay. Uh, well, I was injured August um, 1st, 2011, so nine years ago, uh, me and my family were headed out really to our first family um, vacation to the beach. Uh, It was Curry Beach near Wilmington, and uh, we had been at the beach earlier that day and been hanging out all that day, and then they wanted to go back to the beach that evening, and I'm like, sure, you know, it's vacation, let's go back, and um, the tide was coming in, so the, the waves were pretty rough, but, you know, I was comfortable with it, really out of all of us, I was the only one in the water. And, and um, you know, just like I've done a million times when a big wave was coming at me, instead of standing there and just getting toppled over by it, I tried to dive through it. And I guess between the force of the wave and the tide coming in, I tilted down enough where I ended up hitting the sandbar. And, you know, I hit that and it broke my neck instantly. And I, I pretty much knew I was paralyzed as soon as I hit because I was just remember praying, like, please just don't let me drown, you know, don't let me drown. And then uh, luckily my nephew Cotton was there and I was able to get his attention and he pulled me out of the water. So that's how it happened. Wow. So you, you said you instantly knew that you were, you were paralyzed. So you, you knew that you couldn't feel or you couldn't move or what, what was that sensation like? Yeah, I just knew I could not move. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, some people like talk about how, oh, I could feel like I tried to move and I couldn't. I don't even remember trying to move. I just remember knowing that I couldn't, you know? So it was kind of weird. I'm considered a C5, C6, um, but I damaged the C4 vertebrae. I think that one fractured, C5 totally shattered. I can't remember, I think C6 fractured. 
So I'm um, basically my C4 is connected to my C7 to stabilize everything. Okay. So that um, did it leave? How how did it leave you paralyzed? Is it from your your neck down or from your your chest or? Uh, basically from I guess the nipple line and my chest down. So I do have some arm movement, but I don't have hand function really. Anything somebody sees with my hands is basically from flexing my wrist and the tendons in my, my fingers are tight so it looks like they're closing up. But I really don't have hand function. I don't have tricep function. Basically, any movement in my arms is from my shoulder muscles and uh, bicep muscles. And then everything below that is pretty much nothing. I have a little sensation. Like for if somebody touches me, I might know it, but I won't be able to tell if it's hot, cold, or anything like that. So okay. it, it won't be clear. You know, I, I won't know if you're sticking me with a pen or if you're pushing something big on me. I won't. I won't know the difference. Yeah, it all it all just feels like the same type of uh, sensation. That's um, yeah. yeah, that's similar to um, to myself with my diagnosis of spina bifida. I can't feel below my knees. But I can feel if something, like I can feel if something's on my foot, but like you said, I can't tell if it's hot or cold or I can't tell if it's heavy or, you know, if there's a, a nail sticking through my foot, I wouldn't mm -hmm. be able to, uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to tell if it's something that uh, right. pain or not. So it's just, uh, you know, there, there's yeah. some kind of, yeah, it's some kind of sens sensation there, but it's like, I can't tell exactly what it, what it means. <laughs> <clears throat> So, yeah, like I broke my toe last year. I, I, I knew something was weird with it, mm -hmm. but I didn't know I hit it hard enough to have broken it until it swelled up real bad, you know, hours later. Right. That's uh, the, I was just going to say, that's one of the uh, things that I make sure I wear uh, leg braces. I walk for short distances um, mm -hmm. and I wear leg braces, but if the brace doesn't fit properly, sometimes I might twist my knee or my ankle and like you said, I don't know anything's wrong until, you know, I have to keep looking at it and see if it swells up or, you know, starts right. changing colors or something like that. So I always have to, um, you know, I always have to pay attention to those types of things. And um, when I don't have my braces on, I have to crawl. So sometimes, you know, I might knock it on, you know, and I might knock my foot on the wall or something, just yeah. you know, turning a corner too quick or, or hit it on the table. So, you know, I do definitely have to, uh, keep an eye out on those, uh, on those types of things, just to make sure that an injury isn't caused that I, I can't feel the pain from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As far as other effects, I don't know how far you want me to go. You know, like I don't have bowel and bladder function and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I have no core muscles, so it looks like I got this big, huge belly, but it's really, I just have no muscles to hold my organs back. Mm -hmm. um, what else? I, I can't, you know, I have real issues with extreme hot and extreme cold. Like my circulation is a lot lower because of the injury. So if I get cold, you know, I, I, it really stays in my body for a long time and it's hard to recover. Same thing with overheating. Like I know it gets to the point where it's hard to come back and I can get in trouble and I have to go to the hospital if I overheat, you know, so those kind of things too that you can't see necessarily, but I deal with as far as physical stuff. Right. Yeah. That's, um, that is something I, I just recently read about, um, people who have spinal cord injuries. It's difficult for them to, 
um, regulate their own body temperature. I was right. um, I was actually listening to a another podcast called Wheels uh, Wheels Talk Official, and um, they they uh, it's two gentlemen and they have spinal cord injuries and they were talking about how hot it's been in California, and mm. um, you know it's really hard for them to uh, regulate their body temperature once they get uh, you know once they get outside in the heat and it's really interesting to uh, to hear but it all makes sense because it's all connected to your um, you know your nervous system and and that whole system of regulating temperature. So it does mm-hmm. make, make a, makes a lot of sense. Um, can you uh, talk about what your uh, life was like, what you did for a living uh, before you acquired your accident and um, how or if that has changed at all um, since your, your accident? Yeah, um, well, I can already tell you it's definitely changed like okay. crazy. But before my accident, you know, I was a mechanical engineer in the automotive field, um, I did testing, whether it's, you know, vehicle testing or component testing. So I just, I've always been a hands-on guy. Um, growing up, I used to like to take stuff apart and see how it works. And um, just as an adult, you know, being an engineer, kind of doing the same thing, just on a different level. Um, you know, we had bought a 1936 bungalow that we were trying to fix up. So, you know, I enjoyed working on the house and, at the time, my son, my first son was two. So, you know, hanging out and playing with him, taking care of him, I did that a lot. And then uh, for hobbies and stuff, um, I used to like to produce music. You know, I had a ton of vinyl records and my keyboard and all that stuff. I used to like to do that. And uh, I used to like to ride my bike. Um, so obviously after the accident, I'm not doing too much bike riding. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't do the hands-on stuff around the house or even at work. Uh, luckily, I've got an opportunity to um, pick up some jobs where I can do engineering type work, where I'm doing consultant, like technical writing stuff. Oh, great. So at least I get to do that a little bit. I, like I said, I, I prefer more hands-on, but it's a way to make some extra money and keep my mind sharp doing that. Um, what else? As far as music, you know, I found things on the iPad where I can actually produce some music. So that's been kind of cool coming back to do that lately. And uh, like you've seen my art, that's something I do now that I didn't do before my accident. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's really how, it, I guess. How did you, um, how did you become interested in, in art? And that was something, like you said, it, it was something you weren't really into before your accident? Right, um, I was actually on Instagram and a high school friend of mine uh, DM'd me and said, hey, have you heard of this thing called InstaVibes? I don't know what that actually stands for, but basically where you take your cell phone and you edit pictures only using your cell phone and you post them up on Instagram and you kind of battle, you know, trying to do the craziest uh-huh. looking pictures you can. And so I started doing that and it just evolved into a more artistic kind of thing. And then I realized that I could actually get them printed on canvases, which, you know, people really like. So I started doing that and selling those when I can. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen some of your work. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, that's really cool. That's, um, I, I haven't heard of that. Uh, I'll have to definitely check that out on Instagram and it's easy, yeah. you know, and so that's easy for you to do from your phone. So you don't have to really, uh, you know, do too much and invest in any uh, special 
too much equipment for it. So that's, that's right. a good thing. And yeah. the best thing about it, what made me like really get into it, it was one of the few things I could do without asking for help. You know, after I got okay. injured, I got to ask for help for everything, whether it's getting food, drinking, everything, you know, that's something I had my phone on my lap and I could just go to it. So that was a big help just, you know, mentally having something I could do on my own. It, it helped a lot. Yeah, it helps. Um, like you said, um, my, well, my condition is different. I've known nothing but this um, diagnosis for myself, but, you know, you were an adult before you had your injury. So you weren't, um, you know, you weren't used to having to ask for help for, for everything. So right. I'm sure, so I'm sure having that, uh, independence to be able to do something on your own, I'm sure that, uh, feels, feels good. <clears throat> but, uh, wow. So that's, um, it's art. I haven't, I'm, I'm not an, uh, an artist as far as drawing or anything like that. Um, but I, I find uh, I write a lot. So like expressing myself yeah. through writing uh, helps me. And um, I don't play any instruments or anything like that, but listening to music and, uh, you know, just uh, really hearing the music itself, like has been uh, something that's been help for me, a therapy uh, type, type yeah. of thing for me. So I uh, definitely relate to uh, your, your love of music in, in that way. And, uh, Right. I admire people that are able to create it. I had uh, someone on uh, a few weeks ago on my podcast that's a, a music producer and he had a mm. brain injury. Uh, he actually had a brain tumor, uh, brain wow. cancer, and um, he was still able to, he, he is still able now to create music for, uh, you know, for himself and for uh, other artists as well. So cool. yeah, so being able to create just anything. I, I think that's a, a really, really great thing when people are able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you mentioned writing. Uh, that was another thing I did um, after my accident. It wasn't on purpose because honestly, I never really was into reading or writing. But then I started right. writing little blog entries. And then people really started taking to them. And I was like, man, I actually can write pretty good. You know, <laughs> I don't know if just because the passion was there and it was coming out better. But that was kind of cool to see that ability kind of shine a little bit. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I, I started a blog too a, a few years ago and I think, uh, I think people just really like hearing stories and, you know, and, and being that they are real life stories, whether, you know, whether they're about your good day or not so good day, it's, it's really, um, you know, I think people enjoy the, uh, the storytelling of it all. So it's really, uh, really great to be able to share that with uh, with people, and it's great that you were able to open up and, and share things uh, on your blog because a lot of people aren't um, aren't comfortable with you know with sharing things like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is what is one thing that you've found to be uh, the most difficult to adapt to uh, since you've had your injury in any part of your life? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I think the worst thing overall is it, it, it never stops. Like there's never a day I'm not like, uh, up against something related to my injury. It's probably the worst part of it all. Um, I guess one of the worst things from it, 
I mean, just not being able to do basic needs for yourself, you know, bathrooming stuff, getting dressed is terrible. But then there's all the like nuanced stuff that people don't think about. Like, you know, I'm married. If I touch my wife, I can't 100% feel it because I don't have all the sensation in my hands. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, my son was born, my second one, after I was injured. You know, as a baby, I couldn't really hold him for a long time. Um, and like I said, just constantly having to rely on people is is pretty bad. Yeah. So. And like you said, it, it's always there, right? It's, uh... Yeah, every day there's some new thing or some old thing that's happening that reminds me. Yeah. So. Um, with uh, with all of the recent events of uh, police uh, brutality and and things like that uh, against men of color, um, how how have you been able to manage uh, the intersectionality of being a disabled man who is also a person of color, um, and or has that affected you or impacted you in in any way? Uh, it has. Um, this is going to sound weird, and I don't know if anybody will agree with me or not, but sometimes, honestly, me being a black man in a wheelchair, I'm a little more acceptable. It's almost like I've, the threat has been neutralized. Because I feel like there's people that talk to me now that I don't think if I was standing six foot tall, a regular healthy black dude, they would talk to me. And I don't know if that's something I created in my head, but I really feel like that happens. Well, if, if you created it in your head, I created it in my head as well. <laughs> okay. I, I feel the same way. <laughs> um, and I just had this conversation with my mom um, uh, a few weeks ago about that. Uh, like you said, that the threat is gone. And I've, I've used crutches in a wheelchair all of my life. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I haven't had that experience of not being disabled and, um, you know, possibly being judged because of, uh, you know, being a, a black man uh, outside of, you know, not having a disability. But I really feel, as you just said, that people, you know, people are more comfortable around me and, and talk to me just because uh, they don't perceive that I'm a threat because of, you know, me having the disability. Right. Um, yeah, the issue, uh, the concern for me as far as the intersectionality of uh, having a disability and, and being black is that I, I do drive a car. So, um, but I use hand controls and I, I talk to, a, yeah, so I talk to a few people and I'm just like, you know, uh, people that are in law enforcement that I know that, uh, that I, I'm friends with or related to, you know, and I'm just like, well, like, you know, what if, you know, you have to think, what if somebody comes up and sees my crutches sitting on my front seat and thinks it's a shotgun or something like that? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if it's, if it's nighttime, if it's dark outside, um, you know, and there's no way, uh, you know, back in the eighties or so they had the, uh, the baby on board sticker. So, you know, a baby was on in the car. Yeah. Um, you know, so I was thinking of like, you know, is there a way to create something where you can identify yourself as having a, a person with a disability? And I've seen, uh, you know, videos of people who are paralyzed that can't get out of the car and, you know, the cops drag them out of the car because they can't, they can't walk. Mm -hmm. So they're dragging them out of the car and they're tasing them and things like that. Right. So it's really, um, you know, it's really something that I, I've become concerned about for, uh, for myself, just 
because as I said, I drive and I, I drive, I mean, I've driven down to North Carolina, so I'm, I'm, I've gone, you know, gone across state lines and I, you know, it's just, it would be nice if there was a way to identify, you know, that someone in this vehicle has a disability just because of, uh, you know, just to, to help alleviate that, that stress that uh, people might experience when they uh, have to encounter, uh, you know, a law enforcement, just, um, you know, the fear that that might exist because of that. <clears throat> yeah. I've thought about, should I put a sticker on my window? Cause my hand controls, they're black. They're right beside the window, one of them. And then there's, you know, my steering control that normally sits down low. And they look in the car and they see this black thing possibly still in my hand. And, you know, they might think that's a gun or something. And right. Yeah, I think it's the same thing. Even to just like keeping your hands up. Like, I can't keep my hands up for so long, guys, because of my right. injury. So just little stuff that could go bad. Yeah, and I've um, I've done a little bit of research and to see what um, to see what type of training that a lot of uh, you know law enforcement uh, go through for uh, to talk about disabilities and it's very very little a lot of times they don't have um, a lot of training to recognize disabilities and the types of um, the types of effects that certain diagnosis can have. Like for you, you can't hold your, your hands up for a long time. So if that's a command that you're mm-hmm. getting over and over again, and you can't, you physically can't do it, um, right. you know, that could possibly cause some problems for uh, people with a, a diagnosis like you have. So that's, um, you know, that's something I, I just, I wanted to bring up just because um, I've noticed, um, I noticed in, in my, research before I started the podcast of looking into who, uh, who the content creators are for podcasts. There aren't very many African-American men or men of color in general. You know, so I wanted to make sure that uh, in creating this podcast, I wanted to have uh, men of color on the podcast and to share uh, their stories and their, um, their lived experiences with, uh, living with a disability and being a, a, a man of color. Another thing that is, is related to that is, you know, I feel bad that I'm not out there marching in some ways, but I just know I can't risk it out there in the wheelchair. If something really happened, you know, I'd be a sitting duck, you know, there's nothing I could do, so. That is, you know, and that is another thing that I have, um, you know, thought about. It's like, yeah, like, like you said, you can't risk it, uh, you know, being out there in, in a wheelchair and, you know, so I do what I can on social media and post, you know, certain things and uh, mm-hmm. just to get, you know, just to get the word out. And uh, again, through my blog, I've, I've written uh, what I've just shared with you about, um, you know, having my crutches on my front seat and, and what you said with your hand controls and what it could possibly look like, um, you know, at night or, you know, when it's dark outside. Um, right. You know, so it, it's really, uh, and and sharing those stories on my social media sites, having, you know, having the response of people saying like, oh, wow, I never would have thought about that. Even like yeah. relatives of relatives of mine, they were just like, I, I never would have thought about that for you. And I'm like, yeah. you know, and I, and I go out, I, you know, I go out, I stay out late at night and, and it's just, um, and the one thing I, I would never, I would never do it anyway, but I always make sure I'm sober 
when I'm, right. you know, after I go out because it's just like, I can't walk straight when I'm sober on my crutches. So like, I, right. <laughs> you know, I, I just naturally don't have good balance. So I, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I always make sure I, if I do have a drink, I, you know, I don't drink for hours before I leave, before I know I'm leaving, um, just so I don't have to worry about that. Um, right. Because, and then uh, also because of my, I have a shunt in my head because I have hydrocephalus. And mm-hmm. um, naturally, I, my eyes can't stay to one side. So if I do like the finger test for a sobriety test, right. my eyes naturally bounce back and forth because of my shunt. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, so I, I, with that. right. So I, I write about all this stuff and people are just like, oh, wow. <laughs> like that's, yeah. So that's a concern. Uh, that's a concern that I would have to have that a lot of people don't have to worry about. So, um, you know, so it really makes it, it takes it to another level of, um, you know, of what this all means for, uh, people, uh, men with, uh, men of color who have disabilities, uh, with everything that's out there in the world. Um, yeah, especially uh, too, when I'm driving, I don't look disabled per se, right? Because I remember one time I was trying to park somewhere and a construction guy had parked in a handicapped spot and we're kind of going back and forth, back and forth, but he wouldn't move. So I finally just parked somewhere else and I came rolling out. He was like, oh man, you know, I had no idea. I thought you were just, you know, trying to be funny and wanted this spot and blah, blah, blah. I couldn't, you know. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. But it, it really is, um, you know, that's the thing because it, it doesn't, that, that's one of the big things I, I want to try to communicate through my podcast too, is that like all disabilities don't look the same. Um, right. You know, there are, there are some people who have uh, spina bifida like me who can't drive a car. Um, mm-hmm. There are people like who have the same level of injury as you that can't drive a car. So it's, right. You know, and um, so so the fact that like, you know, disability doesn't look the same and, and we're not, you know, just because I have a wheelchair doesn't mean I'm riding necessarily in, a, you know, a wheelchair accessible vehicle because I can also walk. My chair folds yeah. up and goes in my trunk. So I drive right. a Toyota, I drive a Toyota Matrix. So, right. <laughs> and unless if you look in my trunk, you don't see my chair. So it's really... Um, you know that that's really interesting because they uh a lot of times people expect you know a disability to look a certain way and um you know that's not always the the case for it so just um to wrap up everything um i always like to end with this uh question of all my guests and that is what do you want the world to know about those who live with disabilities and that can be any anything you want them to know about. Um, just one, you know, we're just normal people, you know, treat us that way. And then I guess two, just always realize when you're talking to somebody really disabled or not, you don't know what they're going through. So give them some grace, you know, like pretty much every day I'm in a good amount of pain, you know, and I try to keep positive, I try to keep cool, but some days it's just more than others and I can't. So, you know, just think about what somebody might be dealing with when you're interacting with them. That's, that's really the best thing. Yeah, and that's really, really important. And like you said, whether they have a disability or not, just to uh, extend that kindness and, 
uh, yeah, ex ex extend the kindness to them, I think is really, uh, really important because you don't know what people are dealing with. And, um, you know, right. like you said, the, the pain that people are dealing with, uh, whether it's physical or emotional, and, and it's just, um, you know, you don't know uh, how your words may impact them in a positive or negative way. So to always right. uh, just extend the kindness to people, I think that's a very good, uh, very good message for sure. Yeah, so thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And um, I look forward to talking to you all soon. And uh, hopefully when I get back down that way sometime, I will be able to uh, meet you in person, David. And uh, that'll be good. Yeah, be able to uh, hang out and, t and talk and, uh, and stuff. So looking forward to getting out of the house sometime soon <laughs> to travel. Yeah, again. It was real cool to meet somebody who had my same view about being neutralized. Yes. Yeah. Maybe I might be crazy. So that was nice to hear. Yeah, yeah, that was really, um, that, that was really interesting because I really had that conversation of, of, with my mom saying how, you know, me being in a wheelchair, I think, uh, takes away the threat to for a lot of people mm -hmm. so um yeah you know which is really interesting but um so but you all enjoy the rest of your day and um all right, you too. yeah and i will be in touch again uh, like i said with uh, some other topics that we can uh discuss and have you on with uh, maybe some other couples in the future and uh, talk about your experiences of uh sure. being being married but sure. uh that'll work yeah all right, you guys have a great day and I'll talk to you soon. Right. Thanks. All right. Thank All right. you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Our View podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Our View podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. New episodes will be released on the 15th and 30th of every month. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W, the number four, L-I-F-E. Do you want to help change the tone of conversation among your family and friends? Head over to our website for some Our View merchandise. Our website is www.our-view.com forward slash merchandise. I thank you for listening. Have a great day and take care.